Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. We've been in this series and we're going to be wrapping up with this last beatitude as we've been looking uh, at the words of Jesus, one of his first messages that we see in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5. And as we've looked at these Beatitudes, one of the things that we've learned and really talked about is that these are not, these are not how to be saved. This is not something where we check off the list and say, okay, these are the things that I do to be saved. No, salvation is found in, through Christ alone. What these are, are these are the reflections. These are what a Christian looks like. These are the character traits. These, these are kind of the marks of a believer. And so Jesus sat down on the mountainside and began to show these things. It's, it's almost, if you remember several weeks ago, I used the analogy of a mirror, that the mirror doesn't lie. When you look into the mirror, we look into the mirror, and it shows us a reflection. And these beatitudes, they show us a reflection of what our lives are like as Christians. And so Jesus goes in one of his first messages, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just stop right there. Jesus said, blessed are those who are completely spiritually bankrupt, who recognize their need for a savior. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. How many of you know we need some peacemakers in the world right now? How many know we need some peacemakers in the church? Mm -hmm. okay. Verse 10, here we go. Verse 10, this is what we're going to be looking at. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We've been looking at the Beatitudes and we've seen that they're progressive in nature. You know, it's like the monkey bars as a kid. Remember when we get up on them, you'd swing on them and you'd go from one to the next. It's, it's these Beatitudes are much the same way. They're progressive. They, they move from one to the next. And, and so now we kind of get to this last one. And it's interesting that Jesus has, has left this particular one last. Because as we look at the Beatitudes, you know, I ask myself the question, okay, we see blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn and the meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And so, so when we look at those things and we look at those marks of a Christian, we're like, man, Jesus says, blessed are you when you're these things. So I, I, I see them, I see them at work in my life. So what is the reward for that, right? There's got to be something really good that comes out of it when I do these things. 
right? When, when, when I do these things that we've been talking about the last eight weeks and in and, and my life as a reflection of these beatitudes, man, this is just going to be so good because now I'm going to be blessed. That means now I'm going to drive the car that I want to drive. I'm going to live in the house that I want to live in. I'm going to have all the retirement money saved up that I need saved up. I'm going to get the job that I want to have. I'm going to find the husband that I need to have, the wife that I want to have. I mean, I'm, everything, if I just do these beatitudes because it says blessed, if I do all these things right, then I'm just going to have this wonderful life somewhere over the rainbow everything's going to be perfect, right? Jesus said, no, if you do all of these things, he said, here's what's going to happen. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I don't like this part of it. So you're telling me that, that in doing these things, that the reflection of my life, in living a godly life, that if I live a godly life, that if I really... And, and, and doing these things with Jesus, you're telling me that I don't get to live in some kind of American dream euphoria? Do you mean that, 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 that the ideas that, that I have won't be fulfilled? Because I, I, I just don't understand. Jesus said, no, no, no. If you do these things, here's what you can count on. Persecution. It's a little heavy, isn't it? But what Jesus does is he just brings it down to reality for us. He said, if you do these things, if you live this way, if you live your life truly this way, you're going to be persecuted by the world. You're going to be persecuted. And I think the message of persecution is one we've lost. Because we have watered it down and mixed it with our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own dreams, our own aspirations. And when our dreams and our aspirations and the things that we want to accomplish don't line up with what we want, we think that we're missing God. A little persecution comes along. We're like, man, what's going wrong? It could be that when persecution comes along, it's not anything that you're doing wrong, but everything you're doing right. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing the wrong thing. No, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. If you do the right thing, you're going to be persecuted. But he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. There's, there's two types of persecution. There's the persecution of the hand and the persecution of the tongue. Now, most of us won't experience persecution of the hand. When we talk about persecution of the hand, that's, you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. It's, 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 it's persecution. It's physical persecution. It's those that are persecuted that give their life, that are martyred or beaten or, or um, abused in, in some way physically for their faith. And, and I'm grateful. I, we need to be grateful that we live in a country where we have not experienced persecution by hand, right? We're blessed. We're blessed in that regard. And, and I'm not saying it will always stay that way. I hope that doesn't mess you up too bad. But we're blessed to be in the country. But we have to be careful because we haven't experienced persecution in Hand by hand, one of the things that it has done is it's created a level of comfort in us. 
it's created this comfort. And, and, and from the comfort, it's, it, it leads, if, if we're not careful as believers, that comfort leads to a level of lethargy. And we just kind of get blah spiritually. And so there's persecution by hand. And here, here's some interesting facts. A couple of interesting things. Um, from the International Society of Human Rights, <clears throat> do you realize that 80% of religious freedom violations are against Christians, 80%. It's estimated that since the time of Jesus that 70 million people have been martyred for Christ. 70 million, that's a lot of people. Here's what's even more interesting. Half of them, 35 million, have been just in the last 100 years. You know, we're kind of in a season in America right now where things feel so unsettled. And, and I think, I, I think not, not funny, but one of the things that's happened is just like everybody's like, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And I'm like, please, Jesus, come back. Please. Lord, right now, I'm ready. You know what I mean? It, it just feels good to just live your life ready, you know? Just right now, Lord, come on. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And, but, 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 but we're feeling the tension and we feel the pressure that, that we're in. And, and, and the truth is, most people, so many Christians throughout the world, this is just how they live. They live this way all the time. They live through persecution of hand or by hand. And, and I can't say a whole lot about it. I'm online right now. I might be able to say more tomorrow. But uh, I chair a board. I'm the chairman of a board of an organization. And I can't even tell you the name of the organization because of the security issues that are involved. But just in the past three years of this particular organization that, that I help lead, there are 39 people who have given their life, 39. And of the 39, it's all been by family members. Persecution is real in our world. There's the persecution of hand and then there's also persecution of the tongue. L listen to these words. Blessed are you when people insult you. You know, there's a persecution that uh, another version uses the word revile. They insult you. They mock you. They ridicule you. They intimidate you. And I would say that is the place where we're seeing more believers stepping into and what more believers are beginning to experience. A ridicule for our faith. An, an intimidation, a, a, a cowering away. There's an expectation, there's this intimidation that, 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 that Christians, even believers, that somehow they're weak and, and, and they're, you know, these weak individuals and, and they're small-minded and they're, you know, bigoted and they're this and they're that and they're all these different things. But there's this pressure, and I don't know about you, but, but, but it's like I feel this pressure from this external kind of secular community that is just constantly coming at the church right now with insult. Even, I, I felt it years ago, even 10 years ago, um, just in small ways. I mean, just, and let me just tell you how this even happens in small ways. When my kids were in high school, our daughter, Brooke, she uh, was a cheerleader and was involved in several different sports uh, programs and everything. And when we would go to football games right here at Estero High School, we would go to football games, Christy, 
Christy will tell you this is right. This is, and if she doesn't, then she's not telling the truth. And um, no, but um, we would go to football games. You know what? We would sit by ourselves. There wasn't another parent that wanted to sit with us. When we went to lacrosse games, we sat by ourselves because we were those parents. We were the pastors, we were the religious fanatics, we were the crazy people, we were the ones that were too tough on their kids. We, we were those people. And so as a result, there, there was never any attempt to build a friendship or relationship. It was just like, those are, that's those people. They're a little wacko. They're a little religious wacko, little wackadoo type people. Let's just leave them over there. Let them sit on the bleachers by themselves, which I didn't understand because my wife is beautiful. She, I mean, everybody ought to be around. I mean, she's just awesome. She's awesome, you know. But so I, I have to just then think, I guess it was me then. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe I was the... But Jesus said, when persecution comes, he said, don't, listen, it's gonna happen. And one of the things that's happening with persecution right now is that it's not that we're just being, it's not, Lord, help me say this. It's not just a difference of opinion, right? Because what I feel the pressure of in the church right now, it's not just like, oh, you don't agree, agree with us. It's like, not only do you have to agree with us, but you have to celebrate our sinfulness. Not, not, you have to celebrate the wrongdoing. And if you don't celebrate wrongdoing and you don't celebrate, they won't call it wrongdoing or sinfulness in their life. But if you don't celebrate, then something's wrong with you. And there's a persecution. And, and I'm just telling you, there's going to be a greater persecution that's coming on the church. Let me just tell all the believers in sunny southwest Florida. There's a greater persecution that's coming on the church. And, and Jesus said, hey, listen, you shouldn't be surprised. Here, here's the first thing that I want to share is that, first of all, opposition is inevitable. you will never be thanked for being a Christian. At best, you'll be tolerated. But, but opposition is inevitable. And the reason opposition is inevitable, Jesus said in John chapter three, verse 20, he said, everyone who does evil hates the light. Come on, anybody with me? I hope y'all are shouting better with me at home than they are here in the auditorium. I mean, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Are, are you one of those people that um, when you're waking up in the morning, you hate the lights being turned on? Like, I, I like, I wanna get up, I want it to be dark. I, you know, and there's just an irritation if the lights come on, right? That, that, there's an irritation that people have you say, why are people irritated when I'm around sometimes? It's right there because everyone who does evil hates the light. People that do evil don't want to see the light of Jesus in you because when they see the light of Jesus in you, what happens? It exposes and brings fear to their deeds. And for the believer, we just have to embrace that persecution is gonna be normal. It's just gonna be a normal part of life. And 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 
we shouldn't be surprised. And, and we shouldn't panic. I, I, man, my heart gets a little overwhelmed right now when I see people panicking about the church. I hear people, not, not here, but I hear, you know, friends, and, you know, people are like, what about the church? What about the church? We're worried about the church. And are people coming to the church? And what about this with the church? All these things about the church. I'm like, listen, first of all, it's not your church. It's his church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not, it's not your responsibility. It's not my, it, it's it, his church. His church is not going to die. His church has undergone persecution for thousands of years. And it has always flourished. He says, persecution is just part. Don't be surprised when crazy. We should not be surprised right now. What we're seeing in our world, not just in our, but in our world right now, is the overflow of evil on the inside. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Opposition is inevitable. Here's the second thing. Opposition makes us stronger. Persecution emboldens our faith. I just said it. When the church has been in persecution, it's always been at its best. Acts chapter four, verse one, talking about Peter and John. This is after the day of Pentecost. It says, the priest and the captain, verse one, the priest and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Pastor, what about all the crazy going on in the world right now? It's okay. It's okay because the church grows during crazy. The, 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 the church, I mean, in, in, in one split moment, these guys get arrested. They're preaching and teaching about Jesus. The leaders don't like it. The government leaders, the religious leaders don't like it. They throw them in jail. What happens? 5,000 people get saved. 5,000 people get saved. Let me, let, let me just stop. Prophetically, I just hear the Lord saying this. Mark my word, the time's coming in 2021 when this building will be packed out numerous times. Because I believe... I believe that God is stirring something. There is something that is happening in his church right now, in the church in America. God is positioning, it's like he's globally positioning his church in different ways and in different places and different things are happening. And I'm just telling you, God is going to supernaturally do something beyond what we can even imagine. But I believe the ones that it's gonna happen to, it's gonna be churches that are open and willing to accept whatever that is. And so we have, to, we have to posture our hearts in a place of saying that we're not surprised by the things that are going on and we're not gonna get all crazy about it either. We're gonna embrace what God has. I'm not here to embrace a political movement, I'm here to embrace a Jesus movement. Mm, y'all didn't like that too much. I can so they arrest them, look at this. The next day they come out of, jail they take them out of jail they begin to inquire of them verse 12 
Peter says this. I mean, this guy's just been in jail, right? He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I love this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Leave that up just a second. This is me right here. I am a college dropout. I'm a college flunky. I wish I could tell you that I was Dr. Ed Ivey, but I'm not. I'm dropout Ed Ivey, right? Unschooled, ordinary. They looked at these guys and they're like, what? What is the deal with these guys? They don't have the rabbinical teaching. They, don't, they, they didn't graduate from the greatest seminaries. They, didn't, they, they don't have the theological understanding. They haven't memorized the way they should. Who, who do these guys think they are? What qualifies them? What qualifies them to be and to say the things they're saying? When they saw the courage, I mean, where's this courage coming from? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were just plain, ordinary, just crazy guys, ordinary, unschooled men. Look at the next verse. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been. Do you know what the key is to growing in persecution and opposition? Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. They saw that these men, I love this. They saw that these men had been with Jesus. They, they were playing. What, made the, what makes the difference? What makes the difference between you and I and everybody else? We're, we're with Jesus. We've been with Jesus. See, opposition makes us stronger. And I, and I love what happens. And so what do they do? They take these guys, they, 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 they call them back in, they threaten them, they say things like this. Hey, listen, don't speak anymore. Keep your beliefs inside your church. And see, the enemy's fine if we just keep it right here. Enemy's fine. He's fine with Saturday night service. He's good with sun. Man, I, he's good with all of that. He's good with all of it. Just, just, just keep it in right there. Just don't do any more than that. And I love these guys right here. They threaten them. Don't, don't speak any more about Jesus. And, and I love their response. I love that right, right here. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's what comes out of opposition for a believer. It makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. Thirdly, opposition puts you in good company. Did you see that a minute ago? Last little part. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same, look at that's pretty cool. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you experience opposition and persecution, you're in good company. We see even first place of persecution we see is all the way back to the beginning in Genesis with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, two brothers. Cain kills his brother Abel. Why? Killed him because of righteousness, because Abel was righteous. Persecution of Moses, Samuel, Jeremiah, Elijah. The disciples, all the disciples, with the exception of Judas who hung himself, 
All the disciples sealed their testimony in their own blood and became martyrs. Stephen, the apostle Paul, if you experience opposition and persecution, you are in some really good company. Fourthly, opposition leads me to prayer and praise. It leads me to a place of prayer and praise. Acts 16, this is Paul. Let me just tell you, uh, set the scene for you. Um, He had been preaching and teaching and there was a fortune teller, this young lady who was a fortune teller and she was mocking them and continued to mock them. Peter turned around and rebuked her. And those that were around who she was making money for got angry and they all began to attack Paul. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That doesn't sound very fun, does it? And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were moaning and complaining and griping and feeling sorry for themselves. They were talking about how bad their wounds were. They, 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 were, they, they were complaining about their persecution, that how, how, if they had just never followed Jesus, none of this would be happening to them. If they had just done something different, if they had just gone, nope. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I'm just telling you, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of opposition, and I'm praying, you may not be feeling it right now, but I'm just praying that when we feel it in the future, that we'll be reminded of this message and realize that it's not anything bad, but that God is getting ready to break some chains off some people. God is getting ready to supernaturally set some people free. I'll close telling you this story. It's from the files of Amnesty International. There was a story of a Chilean singer who was back during the 1970s when the government, the political government was overthrown by a military commander by the name of Augusto. And he had taken thousands of the freedom fighters and placed them in Santiago, Chile in their national stadium. There was one particular young man there by the name of Victor Juarez. Victor Juarez was a freedom fighter. He was a folk singer. He he, he loved to sing freedom songs. In the middle of this national stadium with thousands of people that were around, somebody saw him and he moved to the center of the stadium and they handed him a guitar and and on that guitar, he began to play one of his freedom songs. He began to sing and, and all of a sudden there was an eruption of voices as everybody in the stadium began to sing the song with Victor, this amazing song of freedom. Quickly, the guards moved in They took Victor, 
hauled him away. A little while later, he came back and they threw him in the middle of the arena in the stadium there. When they threw him down, they had cut off all of his fingers. And they threw his guitar down next to him and they had smashed his guitar. People were shocked as they looked on, as they saw him as he barely began to crawl up off of the ground. And he stood up and he raised his bloody hands and he began to sing that freedom song again. Beaten, broken. And all of a sudden, two or three people began to sing the freedom song. Before long, there were hundreds. Before long, the stadium was singing the freedom song. They heard it. The guards quickly moved in again, and they took Victor, and they hauled him away, and they brought him back and threw him back down on the ground, and he could barely move. He had been beaten so bad. They got around him and began to take care of him, trying to help him from just his wounds that were so bad. And they realized that they had cut his tongue out so he couldn't sing anymore. So Victor eases his way up with a little bit of help and he stands up. begins to sway and the people around him they think that he's delirious that he's lost his mind and then all of a sudden with his eyes closed he lifts his bloody hands again and as he sways the people begin to realize and see that he is swaying to the rhythm and the vibration of the song and within moments Thousands of people are standing in the stadium, swaying. When the spirit begins to blow, what are we going to do? When the spirit begins to move, when God begins to move in the midst of opposition, will we sway through suffering? Will we be able to, in the middle of ridicule and insult, be able to stand for what's right, stand for what we believe in, and profess the truth, and even through suffering, even through verbal insults and, and having things said, and maybe nobody's going to sit next to you at the football games, or will you be able to sway to the rhythm of the freedom song that God is putting in the church? I'm telling you, there is a song of freedom God is bringing. There's a song of freedom. There is a worship song of freedom God is bringing to his church. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I realize there may be some opposition that comes along, but I'm not going to miss it. I'm not, I can just tell you as Ocean Church, we're not going to miss it. We're going to embrace what God is doing. We will embrace the opposition. We're not going to try to put it away. We're not going to try to run away from it. No, we're going to embrace it. Jesus said when opposition comes, don't listen. 
it's normal. If you're going to be a believer, he said, here's the deal. It's going to happen. But here's the other thing. He said, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Because of persecution, there's blessing that comes along in it. I believe that what God is doing right now, go ahead and stand with me if you would. Stand with me at home, just by faith. If you're at home sitting on your couch, stand with me right now. I, I, I just sense God is drawing a line in the sand right now. It's like he's drawing a line in the sand. And he's wanting to know those who are going to stand. Those who are going to stand on the side and say, I, I don't care what opposition comes along. I'm going to embrace my faith, my belief, in, my belief in Jesus. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what I'm going to embrace. And I'm not doing that in a rude way. Or, no, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that this is the truth. That there is no other way except through Jesus Christ. And I will not compromise that. I will not compromise my faith. And there is an opposition that I may feel but I'm gonna sway through the suffering. I'm gonna sing my song of freedom in the midst of it all. Come on, can we just worship the Lord? Come on, let's just worship right where you are. Come on, let's just worship. Let's just worship our way through right now. Come on, let's just worship. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.